The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. It's important when Allah says, see the signs of the times that we read those signs, not just see, look, look at the sun or look at the sky or look at the storms or the hurricanes. It's important for us to look at the signs and read the signs. When I first came to this valley, I'd come out, look at the, when it was raining because I couldn't work in excavation and landscape, I would come out and go on the mountains. I learned to find old home sites, and I could see where the roads were. And I really learned just by experience, this was an old roadbed. It would be covered with trees, but the ruts in it, the bank, the freshness of the youth of the trees compared to the older trees around it, you could see what came up when people abandoned those roads, that this was a road. And I would follow that, and then I'd find a house foundation off the side that was underneath the leaves. I'd see bumps, I'd uncover it, bottles and everything. It was exciting to find these things. But I learned to read the woods just by these signs. And we're supposed to be observant, as I said, well of the signs. 
but not just seeing the signs, but read them. What is it saying to us? What do we see? How do you read the signs that we, out of 16 people, get elected the least likely person that would be at the bottom that becomes president? How does that work? Can you read the signs? Do you know how he got there? You can say, oh, well, American people voted for him. That's not what put him there. How can I say that? Because it didn't. Who helped Trump become president more than anybody else? If you had to point down to one individual, was it Steve Bannon? Was it somebody in the Republican Party? Who was it? I'll tell you who it was. The President Obama himself. He put Trump there. He degraded our nation. He destroyed so many things. His evilness in writing up the White House and all these things put us in such a hole that we needed somebody that was strong, manly, forward, direct, shoot straight, and yes, crass. You know, I get sick of hearing people that say, well, I'm for Trump. I'm for our president. He's not perfect. Don't apologize for him. So you're insecure in saying and recognizing the signs of the times. He is what he is. I don't qualify. Well, Trump's, he's really doing good things now. You know, he's done more since the last, what, we got Obama eight years. We got Bush Jr. eight years, that's 16 years. We got Clinton eight years, Bush Sr. before that. And then we got the Reagans, then Jimmy Carter. So we're talking about how many years is that? 48 years or something? So Trump in 11 months has done more than all those presidents put together after Reagan. How can I say that? Look, do your research, you'll find it. How is he doing that? Because he's part of our lady's plans to turn everything upside down. Do you know right now, this morning, we have 30% of our naval aircraft carriers and ships near North Korea are poised. Our president is not playing around. And he's the man of the hour. If you know how to read the signs, just like the Indians did on the pass, hunting a deer or me hunting out houses, you can see something is taking place with the establishment to change everything around on every level. And so don't be one of those people that feel like you're qualifying your professional independence that I'm for Trump, but I know he's crass or I know he's not perfect. This sickens me because you're ashamed of that. Jesus Christ chose rough, crass people to be his apostles. A prostitute, a tax collector, a foul-talking fisherman. Not anybody that you would think he would do what he did. And all the brothers before David were the candidates. And we got this rudy little David out in the fields watching sheep, fighting away the wolves. People never recognize what God appoints. And I'm telling you, Donald Trump is appointed by God, part of the plan. And you better pray for him. And he gravitates toward good when it's shown to him. And I'm doing a commercial for Donald Trump. 
No, but I'm not going to say he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We know that. We don't have to qualify ourselves for that. We need to speak out. Quit biting your tongue. We've gone through our whole life stuck in silence. And now we're finally finding our voice. We've got it. So don't take chances because we don't have to anymore. Don't be afraid. All I keep saying, do not be afraid. Speak out. You can read all about it. That's what we used to the newspaper boys. Read all about it. Read all about it. Are you reading the signs? Are you recognizing the signs? Do you see all these things that's taking place? Change is coming. We're in a moment of truth. Truth divides. It separates. And don't be apologizing. Well, we need to get together and we need to dialogue. That's not what all he's looking for. We've spoken about this many times. Jesus splits with a sword. We've got to separate on the right and the left. And I don't talk about conservatives and liberals. I'm saying light and darkness. We've got to separate so that we can shine brighter and brighter and brighter. We cannot be amalgamated. And if you don't know how to read with darkness and light, if you don't know how to read the signs, you don't recognize what's taking place. And so don't sicken other people who realize when you got to qualify, I wish you'd just quit tweeting. Do you realize this guy's bypassing the media, the genius of what he's doing? They can't control him. And he's going to you, the people, to me, the people straight in his tweets. And the media can't stand it. They have people coming up, the Republicans saying, or this Jeff Flake, Flake guy, he's a flake. He's pretending, well, I'm so principled. I'm so dignified, I can no longer tolerate these things, so I'm resigning yesterday, he says this. You liar! The guy barely had double digits. Double digit is from 9 to 10. He barely got into double digit for his next run. So he's blaming his failure not to be elected on Donald Trump. And the discourse is too rough. We need some rough, tough, rowdy people to deal with rough, tough, rowdy people in North Korea and anywhere else in the world, in ISIS. I'm not going to apologize anymore. It's time we take over the TV. I don't advocate that. But let's get our side on. Let them play our tune. It's about time we get our airplay. Because we haven't been getting it for 50, 60 years. We've got a centralized voice in the White House that is speaking, not for himself, but for me. Over and over and over, you hear Trump saying, it's for the people. It's for the American people. He don't need the ego. He don't need the power. He's already had all those things. And he realizes, what are they worth? Nothing in the end. And if we make America great again, it's part of what he's planned. Because to be greatness is to be closer to God. And so we got to realize we're in a moment of truth that the demons are howling. Donald Trump is like a secular exorcist. I spoke about this a little bit last night. He's doing exorcism. He's draining the swamp. He's even got people stopping, running off office just because he hones in on them and says, this guy is a flake, which Jeff Flake is. Did you know all the Republicans, except a couple of them, Rand Paul was one of them, clapped after Jeff Flake gave his speech yesterday? 
And he did this stupid thing like, well, Trump's not perfect. No, he wasn't doing that. I'm saying like when you say those things, you put yourself in flex position because he's blaming everything on Trump, being unprincipled. That's what we need because he is principled in his own way. And God chose him. It's time that you quit biting your tongue. You spent your whole life being silent. And I is saying, expose evil. Speak up. You're my voice.
We need to call it what it is. We need masculinity back in man. The slippery slope sliding down to feminism and putting her above man and a feminine above masculinity is a reversal of God the Father and Jesus the Christ. Jesus Christ was every bit a man. And he called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. If Jesus lived today and he tweeted that, the Pharisees are whitewashed tombs. People would say, oh, scandalous. There he goes again. Or he called Herod a fox, a leader. The Jewish king. A fox? You mean Jesus said that? What would Donald Trump sound like if he said to some liberal preachers, prostitutes will be in heaven before you? Can you imagine that kind of tweet? What would that make? You mean Jesus said these things? It's in the Bible. And I can continue on many things Jesus said. He made a whip, not a wimp, a whip. W-H-I-P, a whip, not W-I-M-P. This man, this godly man, this holy man was no wimp. And the whip beat them out of the temple. Oh, friend, Mr. does it sound so soft and so loving. It's love to be obedient. Our lady said yesterday to look at the saints as your models. I think it was St. Bernard who somebody was disrupting him in his sermon who came off the altar and punched a guy in the face. Oh, Lord of mercy. You mean a saint did that? This happened. You don't know because we as the last several generations have lost masculinity and the liberal leftist godless people in the colleges are doing everything they can to undo that. Because it's a walk toward God. It's a model to follow. And now we got girls going into the Boy Scouts. And then we got a new name for you who are born normal. For the girls and the guys. Now you're called cisgender. We finally got recognized. Cisgender is meaning what you're born. Is what you are. Thank you for giving us that title. When are we going to get our voice? When are we going to say what we need to say? A lady is saying this to us to be active, expose evil, speak up. And you don't have to worry about cordialities because Jesus was always cordial. His own apostles were saying, oh, Jesus, you're getting yourself in trouble. Judas would, would always do the political thing. You're riling up the Pharisees. Rile them up. Trump got Corker to resign because he couldn't run for office. Jeff like the same. They know that he's not following what Trump's trying to implement, and he's knocking them down before they even start running for office. This is what we need to do to clean up the swamp. Don't come to me thinking I'm political. I'm laying down the moment of truth, reading the signs, 
It's there. When do you think God's going to make a movement after 36 years? This is it, the last four years of the 40 years of her here with us on a daily basis. And so we've got some new functions now. Not new functions. I've been doing this for 25 years. Our read today is exactly about these things, to transform society, to be not what it is by God's design, but by man's design. The name of this article is The Men Taking Classes to Unlearn Toxic Masculinity. For some time, Stephen Hicks had felt something was off. My relationship ended. Then a lot of things started collapsing in front of me, Hicks says. He began attending therapy, which made him realize that he needed to make a bigger change. I wasn't doing really terrible things. But I also wasn't being the most ideal Stephen I could be, he says. The bar is really lowered for cisgender guys. So earlier this year, Hicks signed up for the pilot Rethink Masculinity class, a partnership between the Washington, D.C. Crisis Center, Collective Action for Safe Spaces, and Rethink, an organization that works to prevent harassment. The program bills itself as a class where men learn how social constructs of masculinity harm them and the people around them and work to construct healthier masculinities. Or, as Hicks puts it, it was eight weeks of guys discussing how they can address their actions with better self-awareness and less toxicity. We spoke of emotional labor, consent, violence, communication, empathy, and vulnerability, he adds, noting that the last subject in particular was a struggle for him. I was trained and conditioned to be tough growing up. The Rethink program is the latest in a growing number of courses targeted towards people who identify as men, including the Men's Project at the University of Wisconsin. Masculinity 101 at Brown, and the Duke Men's Project at Duke. The goal, proponents say, is to help men examine their own biases and behavior in order to cut down toxic masculinity. Some studies show promising effects on attitudes and behavior intentions, but a single class is unlikely to undo years of socialization in toxic masculinity. For the past 25 years, Mankowski has taught a course titled Psychology of Men and Masculinities, which, he says, deconstructs how masculinity is socialized as a performative mask rather than a biological imperative. He argues that the concepts of toxic masculinity has four main components, suppression of anything stereotypically feminine, suppression of emotions related to vulnerability, like fear, sadness, or helplessness, male domination over women and other men, and aggression. On the other hand, though, these classes are taking on a lot, trying to undo a lifetime's worth of lessons about how to act at home, in the workplace, and in public. It's a lofty goal, especially when so much of what participants encounter outside the classroom contradicts what they learn within. 
and some of the desired outcomes, increased vulnerability, more emotional openness, are difficult to measure. But Hicks argues that these problems don't negate what the classes can accomplish. The program, he says, isn't designed as a fix for anything. It's a step. Granted, it's a step with limited reach. There's probably a self-selection bias at work, but it's a step nonetheless. Since the class ended, Hicks says he feels he has been more deliberate about expressing emotions and making space for people. So when he scrapes his knee, he starts crying. Who's go to, to the girl? Oh, suppression of don't suppress femininity in the man. I tell you, I raised six boys or five boys. We lost one. I raised them. They didn't have any trace of femininity in them. They were tough. I raised them that way. They're men. Women, I'm telling you, women, you mothers, you better be raising your boys to be men. This is demonic. It's satanic. It's a reversal of the ways and the roles of man and woman. I remember when all this came up, what, in the 70s? They started about the women at the workplace and, and don't make a cup of coffee for your coworker male. If he asks you for a cup of coffee, who does he think he is? Or even your boss. And they were putting this out. You hear stories about they expect us to do this, expect us in the workplace. You know what? If you're in an office and you got 20 women in there and 20 men in the office building, and you as one woman see somebody, one of the guys needs a cup of coffee and you start making it for him. And then you go to the other guy and you make coffee and you, and you serve those men in there. You know, you're going to go up level. You're going to get pay raises. You're going to get a better position because you're setting yourself in a position that admires you, that they're not demanding something of you, but you're playing your role as a woman. You're going to be favored above all the 19 radical leftover the women. I'm not going to make nobody coffee. Who wants to hear that? The woman who's more feminine, the woman who's more serving, rises to the top. Look what happened to Esther. Vashti rebelled against the king. And all the other courts said, we got to get rid of her, king. King, you got to get rid of her. She's going to start this with the whole kingdom, all the women, and they'll all be rebelling. Here comes Esther a Jewish woman, the Mary King, and he, she served him perfectly in submission, everything. And he would give her half a kingdom. That's what you do. Go give the man the coffee. That's your role. No, I'm not. I'm paid just like he is. Well, then take that role. And watch where you go. You'll be above everybody else. And even some of the guys, you'll be promoted above them because you won't be adversarial. You'll be serving people and even make it for the women if you want to. You're doing just the opposite of what you should be doing. And so all these teachings coming out, we don't have a lot of time to go into these things, but we've got a man in the White House because there is an anger in men today because they're having to suppress their masculinity and they're demanding that he show femininity and emotions that's not reserved for the male, but for the female. This is the way it is. We've got a 3,000-pound bull in our pasture. His back is almost six foot high. 
He's incredible. One of the tallest bulls I've seen. You only see it like when you go to the fair and pay to see the biggest bull in the world. When you walk up to him, he's on the other side of that fence, and he's got legs bigger than three or four legs of a big man. And he starts pawing that. He digs up dirt, slings it all over the place, and his eye looks at you. Man, he's a man. That's what we're supposed to be. If you visit Caritas, go ask to see Spartan, but don't go into pasture with him because he's a man. Another writing just said it was Washington, D.C. Crisis Center. Isn't it a paradox, an irony, that there is a crisis in Washington, D.C., and it's Donald Trump? They hate him because of his masculinity. He can point a finger and make one statement that is pretty much like a sailor, but he says, and the NFL starts falling to pieces. He can say something about Corker, and he resigns. And then Jeff Flake is so embarrassed about his polls, he's barely above nine points in the polls, an incumbent, and he's shot down by Trump. And he blames that on him? No, it's his politics and it's his belief not doing what we asked to do. So we've got now a voice that is a voice for us. That means we're finally finding our voices. And now we can finally quit biting our tongue because you've got the words to change a nation. You need to start acting. Be proactive. First, you got to live a lady's messages. You got to love. But love is best displayed by obedience. The commandments. And when you violate it, you confess. You don't deny them. That's the difference in us as sinners versus those who are grave sinners but see that they're not. And then we'll draw them to our side because they'll see they're in chaos. They'll see they're in darkness. They see there's no peace. The suffering is greater than ours. Our afflictions have purpose. Theirs have no purpose. Ours elevates to holiness and, and order. Theirs to disorder. And when you see a group like that, you'll want to join them. That's how we convert. And we want to convert them. You should never want anybody, even Hitler, to go to hell. Because if you do want that, or he deserves hell, you say that. You even think that in your heart. The worst degraded people, you are saying, I want the devil to win. The greatest saying is someone like Hitler, if he converted and became a Christian. What a delight. What a greatness. All heaven rejoices over the conversion of one sinner. But we don't know the method of that. We alienate them, let them drown in the swamp, the dirt, the darkness, where they won't out of it. And then we'll offer them a hand through love to the messages. Do what Allah has shown us. So you got the words now. Don't bite your tongue. Change the nation, change the world, change yourself, and change the family. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205 Six seven two, two thousand.